when you make a company stop selling a product or change the way a product's labeled because it's defective or has some issues with it that's harming people and lots of people get real money, not just like coupons. It's not a perfect system of justice, but it's a pretty effective way to hold the pharmaceutical and medical device industry accountable and to really help people. Welcome to the Tip of Scales podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of Lawry. If my voice sounds different, it's because it is. I've been at a conference recording podcasts. I had some speaking engagements and we've been in really loud environments where we have to scream to be heard. I also wanted to add that I'm going to be doing a solo episode where I focus on the local component of SEO. Just talking about Google My Business, it's now called Google Business Profile. If you guys have any questions regarding local SEO, please either shoot me a DM on Instagram, Maria Lawrink, or at tipthescales.podcast, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel so that I can answer your questions during this episode that I'm going to do for you guys, because I get a ton of questions asked all the time. Today, I am joined by Rob Hammers. Rob is a single event and mass tort lawyer out of Atlanta, Georgia. He's just such a cool guy. He actually tries mass tort cases. And I had so many questions for him. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Rob Hammers. Maria Monroy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me today, finally. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, tell us what your firm's name is, and just like a little bit of background as to what you do. Sure. Um, so I'm Rob Hammers. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, but we have a national practice that does um, both personal injury and mass tort. The nature of mass torts is the majority of our claimants are mass tort claimants, um, but our practice is division of labor. You know, it's pretty evenly split to um, servicing regular personal injury folks that have been injured in Georgia and to do mass torts nationally for um, a myriad of uh, litigations that we're participating in. Um, our firm is the Hammers Law Firm, and um, we're right there um, on the perimeter of Atlanta on 285. I will admit, I don't know much about mass torts, which is kind of a good thing because then I'll, I'll ask you, you know, questions instead of already knowing the, the answer. But from my understanding of what you do, and correct me if I'm wrong, is other firms will actually say, hey, I want to generate master cases. They give you the money, you go and you generate them. For my practice, that's a large way it works, right? So, some firms are completely built on a model of um, using uh, capital to acquire cases um, through advertising and they generate their cases and their entire operation is mass work centric. But because I'm so uh, involved in my trial lawyers as an organization in the state of Georgia and have so many relationships with great trial lawyers who get huge results and have really stellar years, they want to participate in mass torts, but they don't really want to do um, all the complicated infrastructure it takes to service the clients. So we co-counsel on them and we will, um, they'll help me with marketing funds to acquire clients and we will handle the day-to-day -day client operation of pr prosecuting the cases, evaluating the cases, communicating with the client and uh, doing the uh, legal expertise um, that's necessary. And if we're ever so lucky to try one of the cases um, with the partners that I have as co-counsel that uh, do these uh, projects with me, that we would have a really strong trial team. Because I just found out today a very, very, very well-known lawyer, like everybody knows who this person is, since, what did he say to me? He gives you like a million dollars a year? Yeah, that's right. I didn't know this. I was like, oh, wow. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. I didn't know you were legit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like, you know, it's like that's the way you make a business run, right? Because you look out for your friends, you do a really good job, you keep complete transparency, you do a great job for the clients because it's hard. And mass source, one of the hardest things to do is remember that it's to the client, right? They, they're they a human who's been harmed by a product that ordinarily wouldn't get a lawyer's attention because either the complexity of the causation is so hard or the cost of the injury isn't enough to support the cost of the case. So they kind of fall out of regular product liability lawsuits. But with the numerosity of claimants all having the same kind of energy uh, injury, you get an opportunity to like really do some good. It's not perfect justice. You know, you're not going to get the giant eight-figure, seven-figure result for somebody who's injured in like a tractor-trailer case or a, a, a ser- serious premise liability case. But when you make a company stop selling a product or change the way a product's labeled because it's defective or has some issues with it that's harming people and lots of people get real money, not just like coupons, it's a it's not a perfect system of justice, but it's a pretty effective way to uh, hold the uh, pharmaceutical and medical device industry accountable and to really help people. And that's what they ultimately need. They need a lawyer and a team that cares about what happened to them and is interested in the story of their case. But how does it work? Do they tell you like, okay, here's X amount of money. I want to invest in this particular mass tort case. Or do you decide what you're investing in? Oh, that's a great question. So it depends, right? Oh, um, my God. Such a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tr- truthfully, like some will come in and they're like, I'm, I, I'm so excited about this camp and I think it's so important. And I want, I want to participate in Camp Lejeune. Let's go get some Camp Lejeune cases. Okay. And then there'll be other times to be like, hey, I've done really well this year and I'd like to get some mass tort um, cases. What is um, a good um, tort right now? And they'll rely on my my expertise and my opinions on that matter. And then obviously, if I ever get appointed to a leadership slate and I start working on a, a litigation, like I'm on the executive committee of the Paragard IUD, a lot will be like, well, I want to work on that with you because you're, you know, you're going to settle first and for the most and you know what's going on in the case. So there you go. So this is super impressive. You're you're actually litigating some of these torts. Correct. Wow. I didn't know that. Yep. That's good for you. Yeah. Um, sometimes. <laughs> well, mean, still. It's, it's a long, it's a long, long, long process with lots and lots of work, but the people are terrific. Because there's only a handful of mass tort lawyers, right? Uh, yeah, it's right? really funny for thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who are being represented in these cases. And there's an industry of firms that support these litigations, but there's really a, a, a cast of characters that do the actual depositions, motion practice, review the documents, work with the experts, a kind of one toward after another. You just kind of always are the same group of people. And there's only so many of us. So like I'll be on this project and then a group of folks will be on that project and kind of the resources get spread out because somebody's got to do the work. I heard it's A, really expensive, and B, it's a shit ton of work. (laughs) Both. Is it true? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, document review is probably one of the most tediously important tasks in the world. But you, somebody has to sit down and go through reams and reams and reams of digital evidence that's been produced by the defendant. Emails, slacks, text messages, um, you know, memos, uh, corporate documents, regulatory submissions, and just terabytes of data. But you have to use machine learning uh, algorithms in databases that help you find what's relevant and then apply the issues in your case with tags so that you can educate the um, the 
targeted assistant review or um, technology assistant review to find other documents that are like that. So you can reduce like millions of pages to thousands of pages. You still have to read them all. Do you guys like come up with a game plan and it's like and deadlines and it's like you go do this, you go do that? Exactly. So the court will appoint a committee as soon as a case is consolidated and put into a state court proceeding or a federal court, most likely, and like an MDL, um, the court will appoint a slate of people. There'll be a lead counsel or a uh, co-lead counsels. There'll be an executive committee, and then there'll be a steering committee. And from that plaintiff's leadership committee, you will assign roles, discovery, document review, experts, um, bellwether trials, law and briefing, um, administration. And these committees will be assigned the tasks that are specific to those areas and then within those committees you can assign the work out by the permission of the lead counsel so it'll be like hey rob i'm doing document review i need you to review you know these eight custodians files for depositions in in march and so i say okay great and i take those custodians and then i can assign people in my firm to actually do the first wave of review bubble up to me the second wave of review and then and then it goes to the the attorney that's going to take the deposition who's in another committee that's you know going from city to city taking depositions i don't want to upset anybody but i feel like the mass tort space is so dramatic there's so much money there's so much drama it's just very competitive like in a negative way though it's kind of a shit show it's a really complicated industry right because there's people who have been around for a really long time and had a lot of success who um have seen many, many litigations go in a very positive direction. And then it's gotten harder and harder. And the more and more people who are getting involved in mass torts because of the availability of um, of marketing enterprises like yours that are doing such a good job of finding claimants, right? Like back in the day before I was doing it, you could barely find enough claimants that to service before it would settle and it wouldn't cost as much, but you couldn't get close to the amount of people who were actually harmed because you just didn't know how to reach them. And now you're getting so much money into the advertising that there's more claimants being signed up than there truly have cases. So you're in this industry where people are producing cases that aren't cases, right? And you do an awesome job at getting people like verified, clear liability, motor vehicle accidents, premises liability, workers' compensation, medical malpractice. And a lawyer that's worth their salt knows if it's a case, the day that that person calls and they know they're going to recover for that person or very likely to recover for that person. And mass torts, you've got no idea. This is one of the reasons we don't want to get involved with mass torts, not like generating specific cases. I just feel like it's overly saturated, really competitive. And it just doesn't feel to me like, and I could be wrong, but like the friendliest environment, like as competitive as uh, like single event is, it's like a whole other universe when you step into the mass tort space. I find it intimidating. Well, I see you there all the time. So, I feel, oh. <laughs> so it's like, I was like, it's, you know, it's you like, I don't know anything about this industry, but like I'm everywhere all the time. But, you mean uh, mass tort's made perfect. Yeah. So that's like, that's my conference or historically it's been the conference where it's just for me to network with other people in our space, other vendors. It's kind of like my fun conference. Mm -hmm. But recently, we actually started exhibiting and sponsoring. So like that kind of killed it for, for me. So now I don't even want to go. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm, it's spring break this year. So I think I'm going to skip it in April, but I'll be there in October. Um, but yeah, but, you know, um, there's some genuinely really fun people in oh, I'm sure there are. And I mean, there's some smart, brilliant lawyers that are doing it the right way. But 
money is a is a motivating factor that brings out the worst in people. And so you do have to be very wary. I live in the personal injury space as well, but I'm on the executive committee of our trial lawyers association in um, Atlanta, well, for Georgia, and I'm on the board of governors for AAJ. So we have a real responsibility um, to protect civil justice, right? Like, I mean, a trial by jury is how we hold the powerful accountable. And um, for me, it's important that like the authenticity that I know and the best trial lawyers, like the one we were talking about, um, their authenticity and their credibility is what makes our industry so special. And when people diminish that because they're trying to be opportunistic, um, it hurts us. And, and, you know, the single event personal injury space is guilty too, right? You've got the the, the tacky commercials. You've got the billboards um, that are salacious. There's the, the drive to uh, target uh, demographic that's likely to bring claims and to use jingles and diminish the, the value of our services. Just to play devil's advocate, I don't mind all that as long as you're taking care of the client. As long as you're doing a good job, right? As long as you do a good job, if I don't care how, as long as it's ethical, how you're generating single event cases, it doesn't matter to me if you're putting your face on a bill. I, it doesn't matter. My annoyance with that world is, are you taking care of the client. I couldn't be more uh, agreeable. It's so true because if you think about it, like, so let's just compare mass torts and personal injury for in the space of like what's wrong with our, our industry. In the personal injury world, if you're driving a lot of advertising and it's extraordinarily expensive to keep up the position so that you're bringing in the cases, you end up making relationships with physicians that will monetize the cases by doing procedures at rates that, that help pressure insurance limits. It's not something that I'm a fan of. And it it ends up with a legislative problem where we face tort reform um, backlash because of those type of um, opportunistic um, manipulations of the insurance system. And And that's a frustration thing. It's like, if you're really good at marketing and you know how to get clients and then they come in and they're getting the treatment they need, they're getting the policy limits, they have the UM on notice, they they order the open records and they have actually know what's going on with the client's case and maximize their value, I'm blown away and I love you. And I know firms like that that are mass advertisers and they're tremendous and they refer cases to us for litigation and I adore those. And then others are very frustrating for us. And alternatively, in the mass tort space, we don't have the problem of this like mutually beneficial relationship of I get somebody who's hurt and I send them to a doctor and that doctor makes sure that they get the MRI and the physical therapy and the injections because you either have the product and it hurts you. Or you did. Yeah, you can't manipulate. Right. You're not. So so like the problem with mass torts is it's over advertising and you're getting claimants that don't really have cases and you're devaluing the overall litigation. The problem in personal injury is, is you're getting claims that are less meritorious and you're running up the value of the case in order to make money. And both both uh, are lamentations for lawyers who really, really care about what we do and what our industry is about. What do you like more? I like being in trial. Right. So whatever gets me there faster, which would be personal injury. (laughs) But um Which is like a kinda funny thing to say because even in PI, like how often do you get to go to trial? You know, it used to be often. I haven't had a trial um since twenty nineteen. And so I do believe I'll have a really big uh road construction fatality case that I'll try in July. Super excited. And then next year we'll have a Paragard um bellwether trials and I have ethylene oxide cases, which is a a sterilizing um, gas that they use to to render medical products safe, 
right? Uh, catheters, uh, thermometers, uh, the tongue depressors, everything, you know, they put it in a gas chamber and they saturate it with this ethylene oxide and then they scrub it and send it out into the atmosphere. And they say that they don't send out, but a small, small amount that's not harmful to humans. But the EPA did a study over 10 years. And it turns out they actually do cause cancer and higher rates around the plants. And so we've been suing on that case and we're getting close and we have our first trial um, for bellwethers in that litigation next fall. So 2025 should be some really high profile cases, um, but I'm hopeful to get some other ones kind of filtered in between then because I'd love to get back in the courtroom. I mean, you want to be in the courtroom all the time? No. Criminal defense? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, like three times a year, you know, or or one six-week trial, right? You know, like one big trial or three normal-sized trials. Um, but it is tremendously uh, fun um, and, and an extraordinary amount of work to try a case. But it's a very gratifying endeavor to see the labors of telling someone's story that has been told for years that they're wrong or they're not worth what's fair um, and having a jury hear it and reject that and and do the right thing. It also sucks really bad when they don't. <laughs> now, I have a kind of a weird question. I've always wanted to ask trial lawyers this. Do you enjoy the prep or do you just enjoy like actually like the trial itself? Everything's a kind of a competition and a battle of, of strategy or will throughout the process, whether it's written discovery, depositions, motion practice, or putting together the story at the end and focus grouping it and witness prep and all that stuff. So there's moments that are great and moments that tremendously suck. Right. Like what? What's your least favorite thing? Reviewing documents. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would hate that. Like if someone says, hey, this document's awesome. Then I love reviewing documents. But if you have to review them all to find the ones that are awesome, that is a very tedious and it's not conducive to my ADHD. Um, that's terrible for me. I used to love writing motions, right? Like, you know, you, you get to put your case together. You get to like, you know, explain why you should win. You know, the judge is going to read it. You know, your opponent's going to be pissed off when you say the things that you have to say about them. And it used to be enjoyable. But I just don't have 40 hours anymore to spend on a, a, a motion. Like, I just don't have that kind of time. So when I have to do them, because they do come up in cases that I work on, um, you know, it's a it's a triple day. It's like business of law, business of dad, drafting the motion. And so those are long days. And is it a situation where if you're going to be the one trying the case, your team can't really do these things for you? Like, they're all part, they're all leading up to the trial, right? So you have to be heavily involved or could somebody else kind of do the grunt work. That's the ultimate question. If you're a good delegator, you should be able to have people on your team that can put together the story for you I and synthesize you. But it's so hard. Trial lawyers are good delegators. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. No, they're not. <laughs> I just can't imagine that. Like, some are. Like, you know, like I have some friends in Atlanta that, that work at a really, really big law firm out of um, uh, Alabama, and they have a team of lawyers that are, you know, um, very, very synergistic. And they only handle maybe 30 or 40 cases. So they don't have a high caseload. They just have a high value. And those teams, they don't assembly line it, but because they're so collaborative in their efforts, the burden's not so high, right? Like this person's got experts. This person's got, you know, fact witnesses. This person's writing briefs. This person's the quarterback. And I see it work very, very well. But then I also know um, really good trial lawyers that there's two people there and they do 100% of everything on their cases and their partner does 100% of everything on their cases. 
and uh, they don't delegate at all. So I see it both ways. Yeah, I've had lawyers tell me like when I'm in trial, I get like three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, like leading up to it. It's just like all I do is like focus on this. And our opponents love to, who have a, an army, love to like, as soon as the day is over, they go up to the bench and they hand in motions. Oh, I want to exclude this evidence tomorrow. Or I want to like, you know, move the witness list. Or I want to change this evidentiary issue. Or I have a motion on this this um, th- fact that came up and this piece of evidence that was entered today. And so now you have to spend your entire night like writing a response. And then you have to argue to the judge first thing in the morning before the jury comes back in over whatever they've created from you as a distraction for tomorrow's, you know, testimony. So. That sounds like a TV show. And it's, it's, like, I just thought of like suits or something like that, right? <laughs> like yeah. that shit actually happens, yeah. you know? It's, it's not as, uh, I wish the cases settled as fast as Harvey Specter settled. Dude, when they <laughs> hand him like a piece of paper in like two seconds, they've read it and they're like, giving you like the rebuttal or whatever and you're like you read that yeah. like yeah it's the show the show starts they get a client the show ends they've settled the case if, all, if I, I could do that i would be the happiest lawyer in the world and the richest <laughs> no shit yeah no shit what i love about the whole idea of mass torts and i don't know if you know this my husband went to ucla law but never took the bar and i keep telling him like you need to take the bar so we can invest in mass torts because it's pre-tax Right. Right. Like and only lawyers can do this. That's right. Everybody else can go and invest in the stock market or real estate or whatever. But only lawyers or I guess maybe Arizona firms or D.C. firms could in theory. Traditionally, your answer was absolutely right. Like only lawyers can share fees with lawyers. It's it's a requirement of most state bars. Now, in the past several years, Arizona and Utah have expanded um, how non-lawyers can be partners with lawyers and firms and share fees. But it's a pain in the ass to like get into it. So it's not something that I can just go, like I can go into Vanguard right now, transfer some money, buy some stocks in like two minutes. Right. We can't do that. You can't do that. And 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 the regulatory oversight and the steps that's taken to get involved in a, in a alternative bar structure states program still is uncharted territory. So we don't know where it's going to go, but usually once something's there, it's there to stay and it grows. Um, But for now, and for a long time, um, yes, only lawyers could share fees with lawyers. And what happens is it's like, you know, if somebody's doing really, really well with your company because you're generating them so much leads because you're so successful at at marketing for the law firms that you represent. I love the shout out. um, Right. So they're doing great, but like we can't, spend any more of this money to, to increase well, our market you share. you know what happens. Right. I get crazy checks at the end of the year. That's right. Like last... For next year. Yeah, right. last Like I'm going to fund got, next year's yeah, advertising. so many checks. Right. So similarly, that same problem, like like if you look at a pile of money because you've had such a big year, you, you get an eight-figure settlement, right? Or, you know, just your intake shoots through the roof because law ranks crushing it, right? I love it. And so, and so you now have a revenue issue where your tax liability is stupid and you've hit yeah. your income number. Like, why yeah. do you need extra money? What are you going to do with it? Well, you can call me up or a mass sort lawyer that that you make a relationship with and say, hey, I want to do what's going on in mass source now. Can you walk me through some projects and deploy that capital into the marketing funds? It's the same as if you spend it to get SEO and pay-per-click and local service ads. It's just that you're going straight out to attract Camp Lejeune or Roundup or Talcum Powder or, you know, 3M earplugs or whatever the, the tort is that we select or a myriad of torts to spread your risk. And you deploy that capital. And then instead of you having the apparatus to deal with the clients and carry the cost of seeing that case through, 
That's what I'm for, right? And then we just split the fee. And this is an expense. Yeah. It's just a straight off the top uh, line uh, marketing expense for the firm. So it reduces your ordinary income that's taxable to the partners of the firm, and it puts a pipeline of future fees into play. And most of my referral partners just reinvest their proceeds. So like, you know, I settle a tour and I get the fees in. I'm like, do you want your, you know, million bucks? And they're like, no, I don't want it. I want you to redeploy it so that, you know, my 100 that turned out to be a million is now going to be 10 million. And like, you're smart. Let's do it. Some people say, give me the money. (laughs) It's just a fence. Where are you? They go buy a car. Okay, wait. Now, I want to understand a couple things. Like, what would be the minimum investment that somebody, don't tell me it depends. Give me some ranges. That somebody should make, like if somebody calls you and they're like, hey, I want to invest 10 grand, you'd laugh and hang up, right? I would tell them that you would be better off to do local service ads with that. Like grand. you'd be nicer about it. Right. Okay. Um, but but 50 grand. 50 yeah. grand, okay. You know, because you would get, yeah, it depends on the tort, right? Like if it came to me and said, I got 50 grand, I want you to go get Roundup. I'd be like, no, you're going to get five cases and a couple of them will be dual reps and they won't qualify. Like you you may blow your 50 grand and not see your money. Okay. Now let's say that somebody has half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Would you say put it all into one tort? Let's spread it out. Um, from my understanding, it's impact. The cost of the cases are impacted by how early you get in it, which there's more risk, if I'm correct. Like what's what would be your rec- recommendation for a strategy? I love this is a great question. So so there's mature torts and there's prospective torts and there's middle of the road, like let's just say in process torts, right? So there's those who have been getting filed or being researched and they're kind of on the on the horizon. Like Ozempic is a big problem, right? Um, it's being mass advertised as people are using it for weight loss, it's causing problems, and the promotion of it is is predatory. Um, and it's creating um a toxic environment that's getting people who are very conscious of their image to make a healthcare choice for something that's meant to treat type 2 diabetes, right? Right. I've gone ads for it and I was like, really? Like, I'm trying to gain weight. Like, you, you, you <laughs> they the, spa- I mean, they spam the algorithm wrong here. They spam women, right? They spam women. And if your BMI is high enough, you can get a prescription through telemed, right? And if someone lies to the doctor on telemed, you know, that's on the patient, that's on the claimant, but it's also a problem. And so that's an emerging tour. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't know if it'll ever have any traction as of actually compensable case, but they're super cheap to get because some people were getting this drug and some people are having problems from once they are using it. So you could go out and get a whole bunch of exempt for- Are you? Um, I am. Okay. Um, and you can get those cases pretty inexpensively now because so many people are on the drug and so many people are facing adverse events. Because see, like what I asked my financial advisor, and he's actually uh, been on this podcast. You guys should listen to it, Rick Ferry, because he's very different. He doesn't take a, a percentage. Um, he's listened to it seriously. But what I ask him is like, what do you invest in? Right? Like, where's your money? How how would you do this if I was, if you were me? right? Given my age, kids, whatever, right? So I guess I'm curious, like, how do you spend your money on mass torts? Do you diversify? Do you get in early? Do you kind of time it? Perfect. I I love that. So it goes right back to your $500,000. Yes, let's use that. So you would want to like, with that $500,000, you'd want to go and get like, say they're like 500 bucks to $1,000 a case. 
with that 500,000, you can get several hundred, right? For just 200,000, 150,000, you can get a, a pretty good position and acquire quite a few. But then you want some mature tours. They're going to pay faster. They're going to put money back in the person. The person who's investing for the first time is going to see a return. Um, and it's important. Those cases cost a lot more. And there's a higher probability of what we call dual representation, which is really like quadruple representation, meaning what is that? marketers sign up the same person more than one. Oh, yes. And you I've know heard how of this much problem. clients hate lawyers not calling them? Yep. What they do is they just call the commercial again and say, um, I have a, I don't, they'll say they don't have a lawyer or they don't even know that every firm's individual is representing different people. They think one lawyer's handling all the cases in the country. So they don't even really realize that they're signing up for more than one lawyer. And so when you get to the end and you turn in your sh spreadsheet of clients to the defendant, well, the defendant's going to get the data and they're going to know how many claimants um, are submitted to them for payment. And they're going to be like, oh, well, this person showed up six times. And here's so the who six gets first. It? Whoever got it first? Yeah, we, we usually, the judge sometimes enters orders on it. Um, sometimes uh, the leadership slate will put uh, safeguards in. Um, customarily, you know, you're going to know the firms that you do this industry with and you just cover each other and split the fee. Word of advice would be contact your clients. You talk to your clients. All the time. Because the then time. they don't, because mm -hmm. they probably think, oh, maybe it didn't go through. Mm -hmm. So they're like, I need to go and submit this again. That's right. Maybe they don't have it. I don't want to miss out. Got to touch them. Text, email, phone call all the time. Where are you? How you doing? Anything changed with your health? Is your address changed? Is your phone number changed? I haven't heard from you. Your mail came back. You got If you stay in front of them, your your loss or your spoilage goes down. People who just disappear and are, are unrecoverable. Um, but dual reps will happen. But so when you get towards the end of a tour, the case cost goes way up because it's hyper competitive to find whatever's still left in the plaintiff uh, population to still be acquired after all the marketing has been done for so long. So finding actual claimants that qualify the price goes way up, but the certainty is there too, right? Right, and Less so risk. and so you want you want to take some mature positions at a higher cost, so the client that's the referral partner sees a return quickly. You want some speculative emerging towards, so you fill their inventory with things that may yield a big return, and then you want you know some plays that are somewhere in the middle where the cost is kind of balanced and the dual rep risk is low, but the tort's not that close to settling. So you want to blend all three but if you only have like 100 or 200 grand you want a really good bet and that might be like oh okay well camp lejeune is a pretty good bet the government passed a statute saying they're going to pay these people so your risk is you got to find people who have the injuries that qualify and they and they have to be not represented by someone else but you don't think everyone has been found already i, we t I talk about this with my marketers all the time and the answer is you know no that's crazy it's crazy i want to ask you a question you're going to hate yeah. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. What would you consider a low, a good, and a great return investment from a mass tort? Obviously, like worst case scenario is you lost your money. <laughs> we can ignore that one and move on because yeah. that shit's going to happen. Yeah. But, but low, that's why you blend your risk. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So low, good, great. So I have seen... A 30x return on my money, which I thought was really good. <laughs> I thought that one was awesome. <laughs> and then I've done 5x um, several times. And I've done uh, right around 2x. And I've done 3x. And I've seen 10x. So I would say your blended return average is somewhere between 5 and 7. 
in a five-year window. So it's it's a long runway. That's the downside. Yeah. So the I mean, like, cause you can get a five x to ten x return on personal injury cases within a calendar year, right? Um, it's why everyone advertises for personal injury cases. Yeah, but I think at some point firms get saturated. Right. Like they they're they're like, okay, I'm killing it with advertising. I'm killing it digitally. And if they don't want to go into the next market, which would be my recommendation, okay, if you're in Atlanta, well, now let's go, I don't know. Albany. To, yes, wherever, wherever you want, right? Let's get you cases there. But some firms are like, I actually don't want to do that, right? For whatever reason, right? Personal, business, whatever it is. I think masters then is like the natural progression, right? Now, I want to ask you something. I don't know even how much you know about this, but like historically, if somebody Googled for a master lawyer, right? If somebody Googled Zantac uh, lawyer, right? The results that would be generated were pages on websites that just just said Zantac lawyer. They were not what we call geo-modified. They didn't have Atlanta in it or San Diego. And now what we're seeing is so many law firms, as they go and they invest in these mass stores, they're like, oh, well, why don't I get a, you know, San Diego Zantac page? Or I don't even know if Zantac's still going on, but you know what I mean, right? Just using as an example. So now when people search, Google says, wait a minute, you're in San Diego, you're looking for a Zantac lawyer, here are some firms that have this. So before it was like everything was going to the nationwide firms that we're targeting towards, but now it almost seems like there's a blend. Have you noticed that? Do you know anything about this or no? My experience has been I do get organic leads from my mass tort content because people- Are they, sorry, are they- Atlanta specific? Yeah. The, well, or Georgia. Mm. They're, or they're, Georgia. Okay. They're Georgians. Yeah. Um, so I'll show up and I'll rank pretty high for IBC lawyer in like Georgia because I was on the IBC executive committee. I've been doing it for 10 years and I've got so much content on my site about it. Um, I've showed up in federal pleadings and I've been in trial for one. And so like you kind of, there's enough Rob Hammer's IBC in the universe that you'll, I'll show up. Right. That makes sense. Perfect. And so I'll get a, a handful a year. Right. And, and that happens, but I don't, see a wise platform for SEOing out a mass tort because it's so dynamic. You only want it for a certain window of time. You only need so many cases before you feel like you've hit your um, capacity of your staffs to do a good job for your client. And since you're pivoting all the time and maybe you're turning it on and turning it off, I find it to be so much more effective to have really, really good specialists that go out and identify clients and sign cases for you. And that your job is to make sure that they meet the criteria, you make contact with the client, and that you confirm the qualification and return anything that's not right, and then you do a great job for the client. I think it's so much better to do, but you should still list all your torts on your website because if you're a Paragard lawyer in Atlanta, Georgia, and you've got 500 Paragard cases filed, you better have it on your website, I agree, right? A thousand percent. Even if it's not doing you any good right. for Be- searching. Well, because if they Google yeah. or they're trying to research and they're like, wait a minute, I don't see this on their site. Or they're your lawyer and they look you up. <laughs> what know? do you mean? Like, like, like I represent them and they get an email from me and they're like, oh, I want to see your website and it's not on your website. No, that's what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, good. wait, you don't handle my case. Right. What the hell? Yeah. Right. So on? then they're gonna now go sign up with someone else. Right. Like, that's what you don't what you don't want. But I guess my question to you, and I agree with you, right? Like anytime somebody's like, Hey, I want to do SEO for mass stores, I'm like, you could in theory if you have a crazy budget. But the problem with it is that you need a website that is generating traffic constantly about 
current torrents, mm-hmm. and then you need to target the new torrent. The moment you like hear that it might be a thing, it's like right then and then we have to target it. So the website in and of itself has to have a lot of authority, a lot of mm-hmm. informational content, and then we have to be really quick about the new tort. But And we've done it before, actually. And the cost per case is always going to be higher than it would be if you just went to social media. So I'm like, why not just take that money, put it in social media, and just focus on single event for MassTort? Agreed. One more question. What if a firm is generating cases for whatever reason, like maybe they are putting up these pages that are very localized and doing SEO. So maybe they're not getting a ton of cases, but they're getting cases here and there from you know, their website, or maybe they're reaching out to past clients to get cases, however they're getting them. But they don't want to handle everything you talked about from like contacting the client and all that. Would you take those cases if lawyers wanted to refer them to you or no? Some of my very, very best referral partners are high volume marketers with top tier positions in the Atlanta market. And because their client profiles are in the thousands or tens of thousands, when they remarket these clients on these torts like 3M earplugs, I mean, how many servicemen have been in a car accident over the last 30 years that are in your database or Camp Lejeune or stuff like that? Uh, hips, you know, like you get a hip put in because you get you in a, a f- slip and fall and then five years later it goes bad and then you have a hip case. So I get probably 100 cases a year um, from referrals from from PI firms that just remarket their clients with existing torts, and that's a free kind of case acquisition for them because they're just they're just remarketing their client database, and then they're sending the case to me directly from sign up, and I'm absorbing all the work and um, time, and we're collaborating and communicating and keeping up, up together as a as a co counsel co responsibility, but that case is always going to qualify. They're always good cases. And those clients don't disappear. And they and they're like tier one injuries. Like they're the best of the best. Yeah, they're the best of the best cases. Yeah, we didn't talk about tiers. Are you only going after the top tiers or you personally say, I'll take any tier? If you're in early and you know what is the big injury, like you're well informed and you're really, really prepared to do it, you can look for the best of the best cases because they're still out there, right? tort just started and you know it's going to be the highest value cases and you can just keep your criteria tight and still cause get a reasonable cost per case but as the market gets entered and more people compete that price starts to shoot up and the ability to actually qualify and confirm that tier one injury only starts to become diluted so you want to blend your profile and if if your cases are so strong that your docket is so valuable and you have no um, run-of-the-mill cases to blend your average cost down, the defense have a, a tough time settling with you because they have to be able to get their settlement approved from their their side. Is that a good or bad thing? You know, it's it's, in, it, it's inefficient and it's also like the way it works, right? I mean, yeah, like, I, f- I find this a little bit complex and I think this is important. This is why it's important that if a single event lawyer wants to get involved in this, they really need to find a partner to walk them through this because it's such a shiny object, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm like, like I said, I'm like, hey, Moriano, go take the bar. <laughs> like, so we can do- like it's totally a shiny tort <laughs> and or a shiny uh, object or I guess a shiny tort, <laughs> right? But there's like a downside to that, right? Because if you don't know who, like you're, you don't go through the right vendor, you can end up with a bunch of really low tier cases. You can end up with a lot of cases that drop. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it can get really tricky. And then mass start starts to get a bad reputation. 
I, I agree hundred percent. And one of the one of the um, symptoms of our problem as an industry is people who come out and, and engage in this apparatus where there's so many vendors that are promising that they can deliver cases, that um, lawyers who've had a good year in personal injury think they can do it themselves. They go out and they just go direct to the marketer and they don't right. have a litigation referral partner. And what those people will do is they'll say, hey, you should go with one of these like stalwart, long-term, very successful um, plaintiff firms that's been doing mass torts for decades. And that's all well and good. But those t- those firms have an infrastructure that can only support so much case processing. And so if your case isn't clearly what they're looking for when they get it as an intake, they'll cut it and toss it and your money just left. And when you have a partner with somebody who's really got a relationship with you and really cares about how you spend your money, they'll filter which marketers do the best job and they'll make sure that any case that qualifies sees it way to settlement. And so if you if you just go to a conference and you hand someone 50 grand, you are literally playing roulette, right? Because you could get 50 bad cases and end up with no money, or you could get 50 good cases, but a person that's not working them right, and you get a less value. There's so much risk involved because you're going in eyes closed. You're you're investing with no information. And no matter what, you're going to split the fee. Right. So you're in a way better off going to someone and partnering that you trust, right. right? You should find somebody in your community of your lawyer networks in your state or from the relationships you build in these conferences that we go to and pick a partner that that will show you the data, communicate with your clients, and um, track your ROI. And if you can't get them to give you transparency every quarter, then you got the wrong partner. And because it's mass torts, it doesn't have to be someone in their state, right? No, it doesn't have it. It's just like, I know guys in Atlanta, right, that never want to enter this space, but they want to have as as a portfolio object of their practice. And so they trust me. They know, but somebody they could know call me. you from a different state. They get, anybody point. can call me all okay. the state. How can they get a hold of you? Give us your email. So my email is uh, rob at hammerslawfirm.com. And uh, my phone number is 770-900-9000. You're not allowed to give out phone numbers here. Oh. I'm just kidding. Okay. I always just tease people that like so easily give out their, is that your cell phone? No. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's our, that's our main line at the office. Um, I'll, I'll give you his cell. I have it. Yeah. If you notice them, Maria will totally give it to you. But yeah. And, and you can email me and then I'll set up a call. We'll do a Zoom. I'll come out and meet you and we can talk about it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was really informative. I feel like I learned a lot, so I appreciate it. I had a lot. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you so much to Rob for everything he shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show.